Que pasa mi gente? This is MC with Brownie and Blue podcast coming at you with another inspiring episode, I hope. This episode I'm joined by a law enforcement officer's spouse by the name of Charlie. Charlie's been together with her law enforcement husband for the past 11 years. She's seen the ups and downs of her husband, and she's on the show today to uh, shed light on what the Leo spouse goes through on a daily basis. The apprehension, the anxiety, the fears, the happiness, the unpredictable nature of the job. Charlie's brave enough to come on to this show and provide a firsthand look at what a Leo spouse goes through. And I'm so thankful for it. This is also to shed light on the fact that law enforcement officers are not just people in a uniform that has a gun belt, has a gun. They're actual people. They're people that have families. They're people that have wives, kids, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. They have the same fears, the same wants, all these different things. And this is just one angle which is so important to the success, to the absolute mental success of a Leo, of a law enforcement officer. So let's thank Charlie. And here she is. Um, thank you for, you know, doing this. Thank you for giving the perspective from a law enforcement officer's spouse. Um, so I just wanted to start it off by having you just introduce yourself, tell the listeners your story um, as it relates to not only being a spouse, but the reason I wanted you to come on the podcast is just your unique experience as well as being uh, in law enforcement uh, for a short period of time. So if you go ahead and just uh, give a quick introduction. Uh, yeah. So my name's Charlie and um, I actually joined the uh, department in 2000, I'd say August of 2006, uh, straight out of high school. I became a cadet. I skipped the whole college route. So I became a cadet. And then for three years I was uh, doing that. And then I joined the, I automatically got into the academy after doing my years as a cadet and um, was in the academy, became a police officer for a short time, probably a few months after I got cut loose. I, I honestly knew it just wasn't for me. And after that, I then switched to the sheriff's department for about five years. Um, and then after that, I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I met my husband in the academy. We've been together for about 12 years, 11, 12 years, eight years married this week. And uh, that's been our, our story so far. We have two children, five and six, and now we are enjoying life together. Uh, he left the department about three months ago after 12 years of service for him. So, Well, that's an amazing story um as far as you said real quickly you said you knew that law enforcement or at least policing uh 
wasn't for you. Uh, mm-hmm. What what did anything specifically transpire, a set of events or mm-hmm. anything that just came to where you were like, I, I can't do this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, a cadet, I, I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I worked with crime scene and a lot of just not really street work things. But I did do some ride alongs and I saw it, but it was more fun because it was, you know, at the moment for one night. Then I did the academy and that was more to me fun, but it wasn't the real deal until I was behind the steering wheel doing the job. And then I realized that I truly was under a a microscope. That's how I truly felt. Uh, And I just didn't enjoy the whole feeling of constantly watching what I have to say and being judged by people that don't understand it. And there was one specific uh, time where I did do a traffic stop and it was in the summer shortly after I got cut loose and uh, I saw some lady just, you know, running a four-way stop sign uh, during a school zone and I pulled her over and she was just kind of questioning me, putting me down because I was a young officer at the time. And I think just right then and there, I remember, I do remember saying which was not right. I remember saying uh, something like, you know, just sign the damn ticket. And my older uh, superior officer was like, you just, you can't say that. And for some reason I just realized, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this for 20 years. And that kind of made the decision for me where I was like, I don't know if the street is right for me just because you're so much more under a microscope So then my mother, who was also uh, in law enforcement, she's in the sheriff's office. She was like, you know what? Maybe try the sheriff's office because you don't have to watch what you say as much. Um, And that's the route I did. And I actually enjoyed it. And I did it for about five years. And uh, yeah, so then my husband and I, we got married, had kids. And I just knew that I didn't want both of us doing this career. So I decided to become a stay-at-home mom. So as a spouse of a law enforcement officer, and when you guys met, uh, you were on the job and at the beginning of your relationship, what did you see? Did you have any type of sense of the culture with, you know, obviously you're in it, he's in it. And then at some point you got out of it, but did you have any, um, I guess, negative feelings with, the culture of policing and what you saw in the beginning? I did. I had some good experiences and bad experiences. Um, And again, I worked for way longer in the sheriff's office, which is the jail. So unfortunately I saw more, you know, negative coming in as to working on the street. You see both. So you see, you know, the good and the bad. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like the, the jail tainted me a little more, if that makes sense. Cause that's all I was surrounded by for longer as to my husband, he did the street. So he got to interact with the good and the bad. So does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. But Yeah. So at some point you, you guys got married, you dated, you guys got mm-hmm. married you made a decision to be a state. Well, it was a, it was a dual decision, right? Mm-hmm. The, yes. 
So you, you were going to be a stay at home mom. Um, you know, now you have this quote unquote civilian eyes on Mm -hmm. your husband and his job. So was there a time when things changed as far as you being in the job? Now you're, now you're a stay at home mom with kids. What, what transpired, if anything, was there a change in your mindset with how you looked at his job? Well, yeah, you know, I, I did the job. So unfortunately it kind of changes your mind and your trust completely changes. I, I look at everybody, you know, completely differently. Like if I, I, I would, if I didn't do this job, I probably would look at people way differently than what I do now. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm a stay-at-home mom and married and my husband was still doing the job as I stayed home, I was calm because I knew what to expect, but, you know, I was really stressed at the same time because, again, I knew what to expect. And I, I saw a lot of, uh, you know, different things that not a lot of people see. So, of course, when he would leave and I would be home not doing that law enforcement job anymore, it was definitely tense. But at the same time, again, I did trust my husband and his ability. Uh, But, yeah, so. So how did you how did you how did you reconcile it? I mean, you're you're coming from a very unique perspective, I think. Yeah. You know, most people when they're if it's a spouse there, they have nothing to do with law enforcement or maybe mm-hmm. like you, they had a parent who was in law enforcement and growing up and whatnot. But, you know, when you're, when you, I mean, I'm sure you have friends possibly that are not in law enforcement and are married to, you know, a law enforcement officer. Oh, yeah. Um, do you like, what is advice as far as just even coping and, you know, the shift work, the, the possible cases, the use of force incidences, the shootings, possible stabbings, assaults, and yeah. all these different things that an officer could possibly get into uh, while he's at work or she's at work. What is it something that you, ha- how did you cope with that? How did you cope with that mindset knowing that these are the possibilities that could happen? Honestly, I don't, I don't know if there are any ways to specifically do that. Again, I, I did the job, so I just knew what to expect and the reality of the job. And I also, I feel like you do have to trust your partner. And I really do hold my, my partner. I hold, you know, I trust his work ethic and his knowledge. And that's the best that I could do. Honestly, communication to, to me and my husband, it's very good. And it's always been really good. And I think that's also a personality thing. I got lucky to marry a guy that's, you know, just as opened as I am, you know, Mm -hmm. he shares what's, you know, weighing on his heart and that's exactly how I am. So I got pretty lucky in that because I know not everyone's the same, but what makes, what made it work for us so well is that anything that was bothering us, especially after shift, we would talk about it. And I kind of pushed a little bit too, because I'm just a pushy person. And I knew if he had a hard day, I would kind of push a little bit and kind of dig because I, I know he wouldn't get upset about it. So I knew if I had to dig a little, he would open up. So that's just how we did it. And it worked and it got us through 
and it honestly, it, I feel like my experience has helped just because I knew if he came home from a hard shift, I probably went through the same thing prior a few years ago. So I kind of like already, you know, I could, what's the word I could, um, relate very well to what he went through. And that's, that's huge. I mean, I think that's, that's part of what, um, the point of this, this, this interview is for is for you to kind of give those people that are listening, whether they're wife or a husband or anybody that's married to law enforcement. You know, I think one of the key things you talked about is communication. And the biggest thing with communication is it's a two way street, right? You can't just Mm -hmm. have one person wanting to communicate and somebody else shutting down, shutting down. Right. So what is it that, um, you you said you would kind of poke and prod, but you know, what, what types of incidences where you felt, you know, he wasn't sharing or, you know, was there a sense of his demeanor was different? You know, what were these things? And obviously this is your spouse. This is your husband, of course, you know yeah. him, but what, what are these things? Because other people are out there that could see the same stuff, but they just don't address it. So course, what is yeah. it that you, what is it that you saw? Okay. Well, to be completely honest and raw, um, people who know my husband, you, you know, you know, my husband, he's, mm-hmm. I can truly say not even trying to be biased. Everyone that knows him can back me up on it. He is, he literally was the, I think <laughs> one of the best cops, uh, out there. He just, he knew how to talk to people. He knew how to connect to people. He worked very hard. He had a great work ethic. Uh, he was always happy. He is always happy and he's very just outgoing. And, and that's what attracted me to him is because I'm the same. So, you know, we, in the Academy, we automatically just were drawn to one another because of our personalities. So, you know, certain as the years went on and calls got harder or, you know, certain nights were way harder than others or just way, you know, calls were just just darker. Um, I could tell, uh, he would, to be honest, he would be a little snappy with our kids way easier than way more easily than he would on other days that, you know, things that wouldn't tick him off would tick him off pretty easily. And I know him so well. So I'm like, "Mm," you know, that wouldn't have bothered him before I could tell something was bothering him because he would just snap really easily or, um, you know, he'd come home and, you know, grab a beer and you could tell it was like a stressful, like, I need to sit down and decompress. But I knew he was tired mentally, very tired mm-hmm. from a certain call or a certain night that didn't go down very easily. Um, to be very real and honest, I found him some some nights getting a little emotional by himself. So that's huge because a man of the house usually, you know, wouldn't want to admit that. But when you walk in on that as a wife, you know, something's wrong and needs to be talked about. And thank God he would always talk to me about it because I don't know what it would be like if it was the opposite. So stuff like that. uh, Yeah. Sticks in my mind. So, just to rehash, so emotional uh, decompression where it's like, hey, don't come near me. I'm drinking a beer right now. I just need to decompress. And then, you know, so those are two big things, right? One of them is a telltale 
where I mm-hmm. I did the same thing, and I. <laughs> it was very normal for me to come home and be able to just say, I can't talk. Or if you are talking to me, it was almost as if, you know, it was like, blah, 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 coming through my, coming through my brain. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. As far as just a spouse, did you give that time to, for him to decompress? Did you give that time to where it was like, okay, I'm not going to immediately just jump on him. I'm not going to immediately, ask him questions. I'm going to let him decompress. And then you're going to come back at a certain point where maybe this decompression phase is now done. Mm -hmm. And then you can now engage him in any conversation. Is that, is that something that you you used in practice? Well, yeah, we, we did. We, I think we definitely did a great job at that. Um, Again, we have two young kids who are five and six. So at the time when stuff like this was happening, they were like, what, three, two, three, then, you know, four and five. And so when he would get home, you know, awesome dad, he would jump right in the game. Like I'd be making dinner. He'd be playing with the kids. We'd do showers. We would do bed and he would be on it and he would put it all aside and then bedtime would come and then we would talk about it. Or he would, you know, go down and and I'd be kind of finishing up the kids and putting one kid to sleep. And then he would go downstairs. He would go watch a show or go do a video game while having a beer and kind of have his time, which honestly, as a parent with young kids, doesn't come by very easily. But that's how we would maneuver it. And it worked some nights. It would be very chaotic to where we would just meet each other in bed and then talk. Or some nights it would work out great where it would be like on a Friday night and he was off and the kids would go down and I'd find him downstairs in the kitchen or in the living room playing his game, you know, doing whatever, drinking a beer, decompressing. And then I would kind of just go down and and talk to him about it. But what helped with with my partner and I is, again, is we're very strong in friendship. He's my best friend. And I feel like a lot of people, unfortunately, truthfully, can't say that we met as friends, we stayed friends in our marriage. So that's what helped us. So when, you know, I would go down and talk to him, I would crack a beer open with him. And then we would just start talking and loosen up a little bit. And that's when, you know, things would come out and honesty would flow a little better. And that's what worked for us. And, you know, yeah, it, that that's what worked. And that's how we got by. So yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like because of that open communication, you were able to express your fears of the job and what you saw? Um, What, what were those fears that you would express to him or or just even have uh, with him being, you know, on the job at the time? Oh yeah. Just biggest fear is just, you know, not him coming home. I think that's a lot of everybody who has a spouse or partner, in law enforcement is just not coming home. God forbid they get in a shooting or an, or a car accident or whatever to where they're injured. And yeah, they just, they don't come home and having kids, I feel like amplifies it even more because I kind of play it back in my head. I have, you know, major anxiety with that where I have to explain that to my kids. So laying in bed at night, I'm like, waiting for him to come home. And if I don't get a text or a phone call within two hours, I'm like, what is he getting into right now? And, you know, I'd overthink everything. 
and just thinking what I have to tell my kids and, you know, all that stuff. Do you feel like, do you feel like that had an effect on him with his job? I mean, so the only reason that, yeah, the only reason I asked that is because, you know, law enforcement officers have to be mentally there, right? At Mm -hmm. the job. You can't, you can't take a day off. You can't take time off. You got to be in steady yellow alert. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, you know, what is it that you saw how it could possibly affect him based on what your fears were? Or did you try to couch your fears in a way where it was, I support you, honey, with your job? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you- yeah, no, I, you know, uh, my husband and I, you know, we have faith and we I would pray and he, I know he would pray. And I would just pray about his safety. And I would, I would, I would be very honest about my fears certain nights. I'm not going to lie, laying in bed with him. I can't help, but you know, my anxiety would peak a little bit where, especially after having my two kids newly after giving birth, you know, pregnancy hormones would pop in and he'd be going back to work after daddy leave. And yeah, I would definitely have some moments where I would cry to him. And I know that doesn't help with the pressure, but at the same time, we're honest with each other and we're very open with our communication and he would handle it very well. But then after, obviously after the kids got a little older and you know, my hormones would calm down, I knew how to handle my anxiety with certain things with him going to work. I just knew when to hold back and how to say certain things and how to navigate it. But but again, we read each other very well. So he knew what I needed and I knew when to hold back and when to be completely honest with him before he went to work. Cause I wanted his, you know, his head to be in the game for certain nights. Um, so yeah, I think it worked pretty well. How I, I think I did it pretty well, but I, you know, I would like to think that. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, it sounds like, you know, I, that's communication is the biggest key, not only in just life in general, but in all relationships and just knowing, knowing how to, knowing how to go about that communication and being empathetic with your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I can definitely be better in that in all facets. I think, (laughs) I think there's a lot of us that can be. All of us Um, can be. Yeah. So with this, with his career, he was with a department in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area mm-hmm. for 12 years. Yeah. You were there for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, as far as the tenor of the career, how did that change from the beginning half to the ending half as far as what you saw on changes with him, right? With, mm-hmm. if anything, if you did see changes as far as like how the department treated him, how the department... So you mean like, from like beginning know. to end, like the changes that went on? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, obviously, in the beginning of our careers, we, we went on together as new officers. We were loving it, especially him. He freaking breathed it. Like that was his, always talked about it, had fun doing it, hung out with people, you know, spoke so highly of it. Um, and then we had kids early on, still enjoyed it pretty, you know, for the most part. But then, you know, at the same time, you got to factor in tiredness. So he's like a parent also doing the job. He still enjoyed it, but he had to balance daddyhood as well. But then going on to the end of it, with everything we're going through right now, uh, the past couple years, it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun watching him 
hate his job and not to put it in a dramatic way, but deteriorate as an officer. Like he went from happy to loving it, to being, you know, super go-getter to questioning his every questioning his every move, coming home and venting and just not in, just seeing the tiredness in his eyes and just how he would talk about it. And it would hurt to see that he just, you know, he was the breadwinner. So it, it really sucked as a wife to see him hate what he had to do every day because he was scared of doing something wrong. He was scared of people just hating him for what he was wearing. Hate, he was hating not being backed up by his, you know, higher ups, his chief, and just constantly being questioned with his every move. And everyone that knew Phil, uh, knew my husband could tell you he knew what he was doing, but to have a confident officer question himself is a scary and sad thing. And that's what I saw my partner do at the end of his career was question everything, high anxiety to the point where at one point, like he didn't know if he was having a panic attack or a heart attack, just going to work. It was very stressful on his mind and it made it such a physical, um, a physical problem and it became honestly just sad to see so how did you deal with that i mean obviously that's you know um yeah. collateral damage with the job and the stresses of the job is going to be you and the family oh, yeah. so how did you how, how did that make you feel i'm not gonna lie i cried to my mom a lot on the phone uh i'm gonna be completely honest it was a, a few months where i would cry to my mom a lot on the phone and just my good, good friends on how, cause I knew they would relate. A lot of them are law enforcement. Um, it, it sucked because you're trying to be a mom and I don't want my kids to see this stress, but it's really hard cause I'm home with them all day. So I feel like I would try to hide it, but at the same time, I feel like it's impossible to hide it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's, very stressful you know you're, you're handling motherhood and doing it all and then handling knowing what to say to your partner at the right time and knowing when to be there or give space or maybe not push too much because I am a very pushy very open honest person I'm very like let's talk about it like what's I can tell it's bothering you so let's just let's just do it let's talk now so I had to learn and maybe kind of feel out when was the best time to do certain things, but yeah, it was, it sucked a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever, did you ever consider telling him that he needed to seek help as in like a therapist or anything like that? Yeah, actually there've been, there has been times where I'm like, why don't you go talk to, we have a County, uh, what's it called? A County psychologist. psychologist. I said, why don't you think about doing that? Cause I'm, again, I'm very like, seek all the help or use your tools that you have. I'm all about talking and just getting it off your plate because you're going to feel so much better. That's how I operate. But it was more of the, well, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Or I'm fine talking to you, you know? But yeah, so it was very out there where I said, you should go and talk to someone other than your friends, get a non-biased opinion, get someone that is completely, you know, not doing what you're doing, but as a professional and can kind of weigh in from the outside, you know, an outside window of it. 
uh, and we talked about it a good amount of times, but it was more of the, I'm good or no, I'm good talking to you. I'm fine. Like if it gets to that point, I definitely will. That's definitely something I heard. If it gets to that point, I definitely will, but it never happened. So. And that's, you know, I mean, I think that's part of it. As far as being a spouse, you have to really know the ins and outs of your partner, but also know your limits to where maybe you're not the best person Mm -hmm. that he or she needs to talk to. Maybe they need to talk to somebody. Exactly. um, That's a professional that can help them and, you know, deal with the coping. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that I've seen and I've experienced it myself is the, you know, cops are really big at coping with the wrong things, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex, whether it's, you know, other aspects, other avenues to just numb all the pain and stuff. And so, you know, it sounds like, you know, for you, the most important thing for you was to have him communicate that pain and that anxiety and that fear and that possible depression or whatever it was with you, you know? And so what would you, what would you suggest for those spouses that are out there that are kind of in a, in a real struggle with not being able to have that communication? What would you suggest for them to do? Um, Is there anything that, you know, things that you kind of saw that you did that worked um, that, that maybe would help them? Honestly, that to me, that's a really hard, a hard, uh, that's a hard thing. Just because I do believe everyone is so different um, personality-wise. Some people don't want to push. Some people are afraid to start a little bit, of, a little bit of an argument to get past that point. And some people aren't willing to do that. So it's it all depends, I believe, on who you are. But from my experience and just who I am as a person. I would just say, just push in the most respectful way to get the honest feeling from your, your spouse on what they're dealing with and maybe just see if you're, if you can kind of break through a little bit of that barrier to see if they can open up and, and kind of determine what level of depression or, you know, whatever they have. And then, cause I feel like that's such a sensitive topic, you know what I mean? to be like, Hey, you need to talk to somebody or you need help because I feel like people get very defensive and, and thank God, uh, my spouse hasn't ever gotten defensive about it. He's very open to, you know, all of it, but some people it's a very touchy situation. So my best suggestion would be, you know, know your partner as well as you can. And if you have children really watch the, you know, the signs of if they're suffering really just, watch every change that might happen. Um, And I know that can be hard when you're caught up being a parent, but try the best you can to just see any, you know, cues that they give that just don't seem right. And then maybe kind of dig a little bit and then maybe sensitively just mention, Hey, should we talk to somebody? I'll go with you or I, I don't go with you, but there's help. And this isn't just it. We can find other options to get you, back to yourself as best as we can. And this job is not forever. So let's try to get you to enjoy the rest of it. I don't know. That's Did you, the best I can say about that. No, I think it's great. I mean, I think that's a, 
you know, it's your experience. It's what you know. And so I think there's people out there that may push and they do it disrespectfully yeah. or they take things personally. Yes. Right. So, you know, so it, it's not personal. I think, you know, being a being a law enforcement's wife or husband that's not in law enforcement, you kind of have you you have to get to know the mindset yeah. and you're you're that's why you're on this podcast because you give both mindsets from being, you know, a stay at home mom to also being a, a law enforcement officer at the same time yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so you have kind of a leg up. And so that's why I asked that question. Yeah. Um, and also, did you, did you ever see any type of withdrawnness or disengagement uh, throughout your marriage? And did you ever see that as being attributable to his career oh, yeah. and where he was at? Oh, so, my so my partner left end of August this year and no joke two years prior to him leaving the department he was different and I've called him out on it I can tell that the snapping at the kids was huge and don't get me wrong kids will push your patience we all know that whoever has kids we know that but this was different um he just he didn't he would walk in the door and usually he'd be very like, Hey, how are you? And it just wasn't like that the past two years. Um, it was very, you know, Hey, like very tired. Daddy's really tired all the time. A big thing is that just came to mind. My mind just now was he loves fitness. He had zero motivation to work out. And that's what I actually got pretty emotional to my mom was I said, I hate to even say this to you, but I told my mom everything. I said, I think he might be a little depressed because he would walk in the door, say hi to the kids, but not be the happy self that he is. And, you know, it, he, by any means, like he is not, he was not like a heavy drinker in that sense, but you know what I mean? He would pour himself a drink and you could tell it was to kind of numb a little bit of what happened that day, the stress of what happened. But he never got out of control, never irresponsible in that sense. It was just the fact that, you know, it's almost like he had to do that. Um, and then a few years prior, he would work out every day, 3.45 in the morning. He would get up, work his butt off, run like four or five miles, lift weights for like two, three hours, and then continue his job and feel great. But the past two years, yeah, no working out, short with the kids, very short-tempered with the kids kind of, you know, pour a drink to kind of numb the pain a little bit, but just sit there and, and talk to me. But you could tell his mind was exhausted. But to me, the biggest thing that was standing out to me was he stopped working out. And that was a huge, huge sign to me. And so how did you, what was the ultimate decision? What was the, what was the thing between the two of you once you called him out on it? How did you help him from a spouse's standpoint, mm -hmm. get to a place where he need, he needed to be yeah. better? Like, how did you get to that place? Well, honestly, I think he reached his own limit. If that makes sense. He got to that point. He, so he left what end of August, the department, he left the end of August. And, uh, you know, even before that, a couple months before that we talked, he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was very out there. Like he was very open to me about it. Like, I don't want to do this. So I was like, Oh, please. Like I support you. I, 
I don't want you to do this anymore. If, if this is how it's going to be, everything that's been changing with the department and, you know, politics, I don't feel safe with you doing this anymore. No one has your back. I support you 100%. So we need to figure out a plan, what we need to do. Um, but, you know, I, I think I supported him as best as I can by telling him, you want to leave? Let's make this happen. Let's start a plan to figure out our lives. Uh, yeah. That's huge. I mean, that's a, that's a, and him being the breadwinner, mm-hmm. you being a stay-at-home mom, you know, that's a very fearful, oh, yeah. that, that, that could be a very fearful yes. place. I mean, you're, you, so those are things that um, it's important, mm-hmm. right? You, you still have to have that open line of communication. Totally. You still have to be supportive. You can't, you know, oh, you're miserable, but you're the one that's the breadwinner. So you're going to go ahead and yep. stay and be miserable yeah. because we need money. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are that that's a huge uh, stressor mm-hmm. on any family. You touched on something with uh, politics and just not being mm-hmm. in, in, in a supportive way. The department wasn't supporting him or, you know, or officers in general. And then what was mm-hmm. going on nationwide with all the riots and then the defunding mm-hmm. the police and stuff like that. How did that affect you as a as a spouse to a law enforcement officer? I know you have friends, oh, yeah. right, that are in law yes. enforcement. But you ha- you also have friends that are not in law enforcement and probably saying some certain mm-hmm. things. How did how did that affect you and the family? Uh, affect you mean affect like the people that were not cops or just just in general the whole the whole tenor of what was going on with you know yeah. defunding police, the riots, and <sighs> you know the the yeah. the stressors of the job where you know higher ups aren't you know supporting yeah. officers, frontline officers. And it. it- was a huge and I can I feel like I say I speak for all law enforcement officers it was a major stress he couldn't even go to work without having some kind of panic attack or me thinking the worst and then you we have a lot of friends that support us who are not law enforcement in our law enforcement that are like we can't even imagine what Phil's going, the, the friends who are not law enforcement, they're like, we can't even imagine what he's going through right now, having to put on his work gear and go to work knowing, you know, everyone's against you. And, and they say, we feel for you as a wife, knowing is your husband coming back? And then we would get the people, you know, you get on social media and I have a lot of friends that are on the opposite side where, you know, they don't, like the police and that's really hard to see too because you want to jump in on that but at the same time I'm the person to keep my mouth shut on all that and I just kind of like lay low and just read it all but I don't say anything back um that can that tears you down I feel like as a family completely because those people have no idea what it's like to see your husband put on his gum belt, see their kids kiss daddy goodbye. And a lot of times I'm not even joking. My daughter will get very emotional, like saying bye to dad and knowing what's going on. I would hold back tears, seeing my husband kind of hold back tears because he hated his job to that point and for him to leave. So yeah, I just feel like people from both sides, we had a lot of support, 
but then certain friends would support us, but you could tell they stood on a different side. So I don't know. It's, it's a very hard, weird thing to explain. Yeah. And uh, I don't so want to say the wrong I, I thing in that the... sense, because I don't want to piss anybody off and not that I should no, feel that way, I mean... but I do feel that way. And, and you're and you're in the total right to feel pissed off because I think not I think I know that this podcast the reason why I wanted to do this show with you is to give the human element of what a police officer is it's not just a guy or a gal putting on a gun belt and they're not just a empty vessel no. in a uniform and the person that is putting on that uniform has a yeah. family has kids has Mm -hmm. a wife, has people that love them and people that depend on them for money, for emotion, Mm -hmm. for, you know, compassion, for being there for birthdays and all these different things. Right. And one of the things that you're providing is that context, right? You're providing the context of my husband was a law enforcement officer, but that's not all he was. He was this great father, is this great father and is this great husband. And so that's what you're given that context yeah. about. And most people don't see that. And so that's why I applaud you. I applaud you for coming on here and, you know, giving that context because it's not talked mm-hmm. about. It's not talked about it's at not, all. And can um, I just say one thing real quick? You know, just please. hearing you just say what you said uh, early on in our careers, you know, we, you know, my partner and I, we would party it up with some police friends and some not police friends. Right. And a lot mm-hmm. of our non-police friends loved us. Like they knew. So a lot of them, they went to high school with me or, you know, we just met just in our early twenties, just honestly meeting at a bar and, and, you know, Facebook, you kind of would connect and they would meet up and we would have a few beers at, at a bar, you know, go, you know, dancing or just, just hang out and they would love us. But they would express how much they just don't like cops. And then after a few drinks, my partner and I would go, but look who you're, you know, having beers with right now. The people that (laughs) you hate are us. We're real people. You love us. You hug us. You dance with us. You joke with us. And it's kind of weird because I think they forgot that because they knew the real people that we were so that was the perfect example when we would kind of get in these little debates they would go you know what you're right you and so and so are like are like the best people we know and it's weird thinking you're cops and I'm like why though when you say you're cops why does it why do you make it sound like it's a bad thing just because you say we're cops it doesn't mean we're doing we're here to you know I I feel weird saying we now because I'm not that anymore and it's been a long long time but at the time we're here, we were here to protect you and to keep you safe and to, you know, help you if you're in an accident. And, you know, if you do wrong, you do wrong and we have to do what we have to do. But I feel like they forgot that when they hung out with us because they knew the real us, but they couldn't separate it. And unless they were hanging out and if they weren't hanging out with us, they hated cops. But if they were with us, they'd be like, oh, wait, wait, wait you know, oh, they're cops. We got to remember that. But if they weren't with us, they hated cops and they would tell people they hated cops. So that's kind of what irritates me. Which, 
Right. So this is, I mean, it goes along the lines of there's a double mm-hmm. standard, right? There's a double standard for, I can feel this way when I need to feel this way, but in actuality, when I'm with somebody that I know, I'll suspend that feeling only because, oh yeah, I do know yeah. you guys personally. And it's almost, and that's the same as, you know, the community, the community has the same mm-hmm. feel. You know, these are all stressors that, you know, play a huge part in law enforcement and the law enforcement yeah. families. Um, you know, so what I do at the end of the uh, most of these podcasts, I give you about two minutes. You touched on a lot of different things that were incredibly insightful uh, from a spouse's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you, pr- you provided support through giving your spouse distance and time to decompress and then engaging in a emotional, uh, intelligent way. And then also you gave time for communication and fostering that open communication. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, you know, I named this podcast, um, the law enforcement mm-hmm. backbone, yeah. right? You, you, you as the spouse and holding it down at home, you're the backbone, yeah. you know, whether you're a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you're the backbone to how, this individual is going to go and feel at work. Uh, this individual feels supported at home, regardless of what's happening yeah. at work. You're going to provide a lot of emotional stuff as well that's positive mm-hmm. and negative. So in these last couple of minutes, what is your overall overarching message to those listeners out there listening to this? I would just say if, if your spouse married to or dating even you know, a law enforcement officer or even being a mom to a cop or a dad to a cop or a sibling, whatever, you just know a cop that you're close to. I would just coming from my personal experience of who I am. And again, this is kind of hard and tricky for me because I know everybody's different. So I know some people would listen to this and go, well, that's easy for you to say, because this is how you are. You're, you can, you know, you know how to talk to your partner pretty easily and it comes easy to you or your partner can receive this info easily without getting defensive. So I know all of this is very different for everybody, but the best advice and message I can give is to just honestly ask questions. That's if I can be as honest as possible, I ask my husband questions. Like he comes home, how was your day? Oh, so-and-so. I said, well, no offense. You feel a little off. Like you're short with the kids today. Or I can just tell you just don't seem there. No offense. I love you, but you're definitely not you. So why are you like this? And then he responds really well. And I don't know how any other spouse or family member would respond if they get a little defensive, which I totally understand why they would. But my biggest thing is to kind of dig a little bit because eventually someone will, I think, will break down a little bit to give you their honest feelings. Because if someone's truly needing to vent and and they're hurting, they're going to want to let it out. So my biggest advice and message is to just ask questions in the most subtle way if you have to, but find a way that you can relate to that person for them to want to talk to you. So not to sound like this sounds we're not, we're completely not alcoholics by any means, but my husband loves beers. I'll crack a beer with him. So when he comes home from, if, when he came home from shift, we put the kids down, everything was fine. Dishes were clean. Dinner was done. 
we would crack a beer together and we would sit on the couch and just be in the silence, parent to parent, you know, friend to friend. And we would just kind of talk. So that was our way of connecting. We would crack a beer, watch a movie, have a show on for background noise and kind of just be there and just hear each other out, hear him out because he was the one doing the job at the time. So that was my way of connecting with my partner was to just crack a beer and, and just talk. So w- whatever it is with your partner, I feel like you should connect in that aspect and go from there and dig a little bit. Even if they get defensive, dig. Because I think in the long run, it's going to be worth it. And then, you know, God forbid if it's if they're really hurting – they might really need help and you're going to want to have a hint to what it was. So you're going to want to just kind of push a little bit, the envelope a little bit. So that's a great message. Everything you talked about, the communication, the giving the time, the decompression, knowing your spouse or your significant other, allowing these things to kind of happen in a very organic way, but to also notice it um, as it's happening and to give, to be a digger, but to be a digger in a way that's compassionate, as you said, Mm -hmm. relatable. Um, And these are all important facets. And I really thank you, Charlie, for coming on the show. It really does take um, bravery in your, in your (laughs) aspect and being a spouse of a law enforcement officer. It does. I mean, like I said, the backbone, right? You you are the backbone um, of that family. And I just thank you so much. I applaud you for your courage. Um, and thank you for everything that you've done and also provided. And I think, you know, whoever does listen to this is going to get a lot out of it. So So, again, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on and being a guest on Brownie and Blue. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.